What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Glory UJ Podcast. Glad to have all of you back with us today. I'm Tyler, and with me on the other end of the line is my co-host, Curtis. And today on the show, on our Football Friday edition of the Glory UGA Podcast, with the February version of National Signing Day on the horizon, what, next Wednesday, Kurt, right? We are going to focus our attention on the recruiting front by taking a close look at our remaining targets. But we're going to do this a little bit differently than we have in the past and, and try to maybe have a little a little bit fun with it. I don't know. It might not make any sense at all, but we're hoping it'll it'll be a little a little more fun, uh, kind of just a different way to attack this. So normally, what Curtis and I will do is we kind of do our like our own top five rankings of remaining prospects, things like that. But uh, with us already having twenty spots filled and there being a new hard cap at twenty five signees this year, we really only have five spots maximum left. Now, whether or not we choose to fill those, we'll we'll see. But we have five spots at the max left here, and it is tight. I mean, spots are hard to come by because the thing is. We are recruiting and are deeply involved with far more than five prospects. And we are going to have to tell people no. That is the reality situation. We are very likely going to have to tell some people no that definitely want to jump on board here, jump on board the, the Kirby train. Decisions will have to be made. So today, Curtis and I are going to kind of channel our inner Kirby Smart and do our best to, to uh, simulate the decisions that King Kirby the First and the rest of the staff are going to have to make here in, in the, within this next week. It, it, like I said, it might, it might not work. It might just be ridiculous here. But we're going to give this a shot, and uh, and hopefully it'll, it'll, it'll work out well. But first, just a couple quick reminders for everyone out there. You guys can follow us on Twitter, at Glory underscore UGA. Definitely love to get your thoughts and everything going on, especially with the recruiting season here about to wrap up, at least for the 2018 cycle, and then we'll start up 2019. It, it doesn't really ever end, does it, Kurt? The recruiting world? No, never. It's, it's always going. You, you wrap up one cycle and you're on to the next. In fact, we're, we're definitely already on to the next couple cycles here. But yeah, you can de- literally had junior day just this past Saturday. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you can follow us and, and let us know what you think about the 2018 cycle. Um, looking forward to 2019, whatever it might be. So, that's, again, that's at glory underscore UGA. Uh, make sure everyone knows where you can find us out there. You can find us uh, on DawSportsRadio.com. Uh, you can also download the Dog Sports Radio internet app straight to your smartphone. And then if uh, SoundCloud and iTunes and the bigger uh, platforms out there, if that works for you guys better, it's a little more seamless for you, you can find us there. You can also find us on the Stitcher and TuneIn apps as well. So check us out one of those places. Uh, and if you could give us a, 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 if you could rate the show and give us a review, we definitely appreciate that. We really appreciate everyone who's taking time out of your day to do that. If you get a free second or two, that would be awesome and definitely help us as we continue to grow the show, kind of help spread the word about what we've got going on here on the Glory UGA podcast. All right. Well, Kurt, this is, here's how this is going to work. All right, I, I hope this makes sense to you, Curtis. That would make sense to everyone else out there. If not, I'm just an idiot, and that's probably the case. But as, as I kind of laid out there, we are recruiting a lot of guys right now, and probably even more behind the scenes than we know about. But we're going to focus on about eight guys that we have been mentioned most prominently with in our involvement with these guys over the past month or so. And these are the guys that our coaching staff, they seem to be dedicating the most time to based on reports that you hear and kind of keeping track of all this stuff like we do. I'm sure a lot of you guys out there do as well. Uh, And each of these guys also have made official visits to Athens, most of them very recently since the end of the season, maybe uh, right right shortly before uh, the new year rolled around. But these are guys that have made official visits to Athens, and we are serious contenders for Making that official visit doesn't always mean you're going to get a guy, but it's certainly a sign of, of sincere interest. Uh, the only big caveat with all of this is we might not land all these guys we're talking about. Okay, Obviously, we understand that. But for the sake of this exercise and this show, we are going to assume 
This is a, it's a it's 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 a leap, but we're going to assume that all eight of these guys that we're going to be talking about want to come to Georgia, and we've got to make a decision on who we're going to take. So that's what we're looking at here. We've got five spots left, decisions to be made. So I'm going to be throwing some scenarios at Curtis. Basically, it'd be like Rick Sanders versus Jordan Davis. Who would you take? It's kind of like a uh, who would you take in this scenario and that setup if it's down to these two guys and they're fighting for one spot? Who would you take? So does that make sense, Kurt? Yeah. Kind of different, but we'll, we'll go with it. All right, and that's that's actually our first one, the thing I just threw at you there. Rick Sandage at number 141 nationally in the 247 composite ratings versus Jordan Davis at number 421 in the 247 composite rating. Both demons of tackles. Curtis, if you were f- staring the decision in the face, you had to pick one of those two guys. Who are you taking? take Sandridge because he's an immediate contributor but if you're honestly looking to build debt and someone that's going to make a, a contribution that's more than likely going to stay around four years and be a building stone um, for the off defensive line especially at the nose tackle position then you go with Davis but I think you get more of someone that may be able to make an impact right away. This one okay obviously they both play defensive tackle but they don't play the exact same defensive yeah, tackle position. I feel position. like Sandridge is a tweener, kind of like what you see with Trent, uh, or you saw with Trent. And what He's you not a 300-pounder. Tyler- yeah, when you see with Tyler Clark, where they can sometimes play in the middle in certain situations, but they'll also play on the edge, where Davis is a straight-up John Atkins nose guard. He's 100% nose guard. He's already at 330 pounds. At least that's what he's reported at, or however accurate those those measurements are. But he's reported right now as being 6'6", 330 pounds, a prototypical Old school throwback nose guard, even bigger than what John John was this year. And that's a big dude. And Sanage, you're right. He's more of a, you know, in, in high school, he plays a little bit of uh, a three tech, a little bit of five tech. It actually looks like he plays more five tech, kind of like the, the John Ledbetter, David Marshall type position. But I think he's a little bit bigger. Right now, he's about 280, 285. I think he'll put on a, a, some weight and get close to that 300 mark. I think more like Trent Thompson, kind of fluctuate between that 290, 300 mark somewhere around there. So I think he's probably, uh, in. in I would say more in the Tyler Clark mold. Does that sound about right to you? Sandridge, yeah. Yeah, I, I think he's he's because his game is all about quickness. He's really really explosive, uh, and if, it's really hard to tell. Cause I just, I'll be honest, this guy I've not seen live because uh, we got involved with him uh, after the summer. We got really heavily involved with him after the summer, so I didn't get a chance to see him live this summer at any of the camps. But watching his his, his high school highlights and his high school tape, there, it's hard to tell because he's playing in North Carolina, and it's pretty clear. The level of competition is not great. He rarely has to to do much in terms of being physical. He's chasing guys down a lot and just running almost unencumbered, untouched. And he, he looks explosive doing it. But it's hard to really tell how physically dominant this guy is. So it, it's just hard to tell from that setting. But he looks the part. I'd say he looks very much like a Tyler Clark, three, a Trent Thompson, kind of in between there, a three-tech guy. Honestly, right now for me, I think we we have a I think we have a greater need at nose tackle. Do you disagree with me there? No, I don't disagree. The only reason I said Sandridge is because it creates immediate depth. But like I said, long term, if you want a true nose tackle, someone to build around going forward, then Davis is definitely your guy because Davis can dominate. Honestly, if you watch his game, he's a very dominating person. Yeah. He just has to learn. You know, there's certain things like pad level and staying low and things that he has to. Uh, personally work on, which is why he wouldn't be, in my opinion, an immediate contributor, but he'd have the size to at least get some reps to give your guys um, you know, rest for three to four snaps a game. Oh, there, there's no doubt he has that and that's and that's, and that's the kind of thing that's hard to teach is finding a guy that big that can move at least relatively well for a guy that size 
You just yeah, don't so see that very often. You have to work in order to get the weight up like a lot of our guys. You have to get them in the strength conditioning program and the nutrition program to get them their weight up and where you want it. But he's not that guy, and you look at him too, and it's not bad weight. Yeah, and it's funny. Both these guys are from – no, it's not bad weight. He doesn't He doesn't have bad weight on him. It's, and both these guys are from North Carolina, oddly enough, which is just a down year in state uh, on the – well, it has been for a year or so, a couple of years uh, at the defensive tackle position. Where we've had a lot of great talent elsewhere, but not so much defensive tackle. I thought maybe Aubrey Solomon last year, Derek Brown the year before. So one or two highlights, but not not much depth there. Uh, man, I, I do think there's a greater need at nose tackle because honestly, who's going to play nose tackle for us this year? It's going to be it's going to be Julian for sure. That's where he played. He was backing up John John this year. But then, are, 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 are we going to say DeQuan Hawkins Muckle is going to resurface and play some this year? Maybe I think you'll see him and then try to maybe work Wyatt in there for a speed situation. Yeah, I, maybe yeah. In, in, in pass rushing situations, you work him in there, but he's not like your your first down pro table nose yeah, guard. First down presence. I mean, you're maybe looking at. Like I'm not even Sean sure Julian is that anymore. He used to be. I'm not sure he is right now. I think he'll have to be. I think he's going to have to because we have no other options. But he's not. Yeah. He's not a he's a big guy, but he's not three thirty, three forty. He's not I he's not that. Try to put him where they, get him weight wise, everything right where because he's gonna have to play just that position because we have some more DNs now. Yeah. So he he's not he doesn't have to try to play both. So I think they'll try to do that, and I can see them trying to get two guys that have been rolled reserves really, and Buckle and even maybe a Michael Barnett trying to get them just a weight up to just plug holes. Yeah, I think with Julian, you know, we spent, you know, if you guys remember back to when he first got here, he had bad, bad, bad weight on him. I mean, it was bad. I saw him with his shirt off at a camp one, at, going into he his was senior year. To 400 than he was Dude, I, I, I saw the guy without his shirt on going into his senior year, going into senior year here at a camp in Athens, and oh my god, dude, I almost just vomited, just look because it was like cottage cheese rolls. It wasn't just, I mean, you know, if you're a big lineman, you're gonna have some rolls, but I mean, it was just like nasty stuff. I mean, it just did not look good, and he was injured, so he, but he just got really out of shape when he got injured, and we did a really good job. We spent basically since he's gotten here, we've been we've done a good job and focused and focused on trying to just cut that weight, get the bad weight off, which we did. But now it's almost like he's gotten too small to play nose guard consistently, like, like John John did last year. So I think now we're going to be in the process of adding good weight and good bulk back on him, which I think we will. So I I, I would expect Julian to put on some good weight, maybe five ten pounds here over the course of the off season, heading into to the 2018 season. Uh, but yeah, I, I think there's more of a need there with Jordan Davis because I think he's we're going to need a guy to, to get some snaps. There. I think he could legitimately play some next year. Sandage, I don't know if there's as much of a need there. With Trent leaving, it does open up a little bit of a hole. Uh, I'm with you. I'm going to go Sandage here just because I think his ceiling is a little bit higher. I think there's a little bit of a, of a better, of a, I guess, a greater need with Jordan Davis right now playing that position. But I think Sandage's ceiling is a little bit higher, maybe even a, a, a fair amount higher than Jordan Davis. So based on that, I'm going to go Sandage if I had to pick between the two defensive tackles. All right, next one here. Quay Walker. At number 31 nationally versus Otis, my man, Reese, at number 87 nationally. And guys, ratings, okay, they are what they are. I don't really go by them all that much because it's just it's, it's a couple guys get together and it's their perception of how good these guys are. I try to create my own perception. I take what they say into account to a degree, but I also try to watch with my own two eyes and kind of form my own opinions there. So there might not, we might not, I mean, obviously if you look at ratings, you say, oh, Quay Walker, automatically. But I don't know if it's necessarily – I don't know if it necessarily works that way. So, Kurt, if you're looking at Quay Walker, a guy that's committed to Alabama right now, but he's definitely listening to what we have to say. He's listening to Tennessee also with Jeremy Pruitt. They've gotten heavily involved, obviously, with Pruitt coming from Alabama. And uh, then we've got Lee County's Otis Reese. So if you had to pick between those two, if it's down to those guys, who are you taking? 
I'm taking Quay Walker because we have more of a need for the inside linebacker position. And the thing is that Otis Reese, the guy, he jumps off. His film jumps off for what he does. And he, he, watches. He, he destroys people. Yeah. But the thing is, the for me, he, he's... You know, people can say, well, he can be like Roquan. He's already smaller than Roquan. I think he's only six foot, if I'm correct. Well, no, he says they got him listed at 6'4". Now, how accurate that is, I don't know. They got him listed and, at 6'4", 206. And here's the thing also, though, is when you look at it, he, he doesn't have a defined position. Where Quay Walker is your Absolutely. prototypical inside linebacker who fits more. I mean, he, I think Quay Walker like, right now is 6'4", 236. Yeah, and he, to me, he's like Nate Trez, but maybe a little bit more athletic when you look at it. And the thing about Otis I think he's Reese, a good bit more athletic than, than Nate Trez well, yeah, is. Yeah, I was being, I was being yeah, generous. Yeah. Being nice but man. the thing about Otis Reese is, all right, so he's a tweener. You don't exactly know if he's going to be able to put the weight on and still put, and take the beating of the inside linebacker. But then if you want to put him at safety, the thing about that he's, is he's he not good enough. Yeah, say he lacks the foot speed to coverage. He would, he, he, I mean, people, you know, talk about how bad Trey Matthews was in coverage. He, he would make Trey Matthews look like a. Like That's a, a really good comparison. Both guys will cut you in half tacking downhill in the run game, but in coverage, a major liability. That's a and, really and good I, comparison. I, even then, I think Trey Matthews at this point in time would would be better in was better in coverage than what Otis Reese would be able to do right away. I think that's fair. Uh, for I, I, you're spot on with this. I'm gonna go Quay Walker too. Number one, I think Quay Walker is a beast. I think he's I think he's a five star talent. Like I know he's rated highly, number thirty one nationally, two four seven composite. I think he's underrated at that. I think this guy is a freaking superstar in the making. Now he's he's had a few issues off the field. Okay, you gotta throw that into the into the equation as well. I don't get too deep in that, but there have been some off the field issues and concerns with him, attitude wise, things of that nature. But if you're looking at pure talent. I'm not sure how this guy is not a five-star talent. Are you with me on that, or am I just way too yeah, high talent on Talent-wise, yeah, I think he's probably the best, one of the, the t- two best he's inside linebackers. Crazy talented, and they have him. I mean, two four seven has him listed as an outside linebacker because he does play. He pretty much plays outside linebacker for for Chris County. Now he does play some inside, but he's probably he's, they use him a lot as a pass rusher. But this is a guy that projects more. In my opinion, I think we're recruiting him as an inside linebacker. I think that's where he probably projects better. I think he's he's a, a beastly. Rolando McLean, old school Alabama type linebacker. He he, he kind of fits the fact that he's committed to Alabama. He's that type of linebacker for them. Uh, Ruben Foster, that kind of guy. And you're right with Otis Reese. Otis is a tweener. Right now he is he, he's six. They have him listed at six four two oh six right now as a senior in high school. The dude is not going to get smaller. He's not going to cut weight. So he, he's going to easily by, by the end of his freshman season he's, he's going to be two twenty plus easily. Easily with that frame. He, in my opinion, he's going to be an inside linebacker. So that's why I put these two together. Quay Walker, Otis Reese, I think they both project long-term at inside linebacker for us. So if you're having to pick between one of these two guys, I'm going Quay Walker. So Otis doesn't play linebacker right now. Now, he does cut people in half. I mean, he, he brings the wood when he hits people. But you also have to remember, he's coming downhill from about four or five yards depth. So he has that running start, which you don't really have when you're playing inside linebacker. He also, and one thing I like, I, I, reason I would take Quay over Reese right now, and, and I, lo- I like both these guys. Trust me, I love them both. But I would take Quay over Otis right now. Uh, first names, you know, beside the point. Otis, what a, what a hell of a first name! It's awesome. But uh, I would, I would take Quay because. He plays inside linebacker. He's shown the ability to stack and shed blocks. He's shown the ability to kind of sift through traffic and get through the mess and make tackles, bring ball carries down. He also He's also shown plenty of pass rushing ability. He's shown really good inside linebacker instincts, outside linebacker instincts. Those are things that Otis Reese has not shown. I'm not saying Otis can't do that. I'm not saying that he can't stack and shed blocks. I'm not saying that he can't find his way through traffic in the middle of the field there and, and play between the tackles. I'm not saying he doesn't have good linebacker instincts or can't have those. 
I'm just saying he hasn't shown us that. So to me, if I had to pick between those two, I'm going to go with Quay because he's played linebacker. I think he's, I, I do think he's a, a slight step ahead of Otis in terms of his athleticism. I love them both. I'm going to go Quay Walker just down to those two. All right, next one here, we've got Tommy Bush, wide receiver, ranked number 196 nationally, uh, 6'5", 191 right now, versus a guy that we've come on uh, late with, that has kind of been pictured with us, or in the pitch, that we've been in the picture with us, Antoine Green, the wide receiver out of North Carolina, number 349 nationally, in the 247 composite. He's 6'2", 195. So, Kerr, if, if it's down to, to those two, you got one spot for receiver, taking Bush or Green. It's no question. I'd go with Bush. I think the six foot five frame can't be denied. How important that would be. It's huge. But don't. But what about the fact that we have a guy named Matt Landers on the roster right now, who's apparently was was wowing people on the scout team all year long. So I think we well, might yeah, potentially I mean, have that yeah, guy. You have Landers, but at the same time, maybe you redshirt Bush, and then you you have almost two years uh, or you have two year a, separation. A year, yeah, year separation. I mean, they it just can't be valued enough. Having multiple guys, and you saw what Clemson and teams like that do when they have big guys, you throw it up to them and go get the ball. I mean, that helps you. And if you were at table, have two of those guys. Where I mean, how many times do we have guys rotate in and out on the in the you know at our wide receiver position all the time? So if you're able to rotate one six foot five guy out for another six foot five guy, I mean, you're, you're a matchup nightmare. It's fair. It's a fair point. I mean, it's hard to pass up that size. I mean, you can find a lot of 6'2", 195 guys. It's hard to find 6'5", 190 plus that can move. It can go high point the ball. Especially with what we've got coming in, if you match that up with Jadon Hazelwood, I yeah, mean... Yeah, Jadon Hazelwood, yeah. And that's, that's the other thing. So that's what I'm looking at with Tommy Bush. My only question here is you look at Tommy Bush. Okay, yeah, 6'5", 191. Well, we, we signed Matt Landers last year, similar size. Next year, no, hope, hope to God, fingers crossed, we keep him because he's the next A.J. Green type talent. Jaden Hazelwood out of Cedar Grove is essentially the same size. So I get why it's hard to, you know, if you get a 6'5 guy, you want to take him. But we got, got a guy last year, got a guy coming in next year, at least unless, unless we lose him. Is it, so is it, does that kind of neutralize the importance of getting a guy like Tommy Bush in this class? To me, it doesn't because if you think about it, all right, so more likely you have a three wide receiver set, um, and one of those is a slot. So if you did that, you could realistically go out there with a wide receiver lineup that is someone like a Matt Landers at one position, and then you put Jadon Hazelwood at the other, and then maybe me, Cole, or someone else in the slot like that. Don't forget about Terry. What? You can't forget about Terry Godwin either. But I see what Terry you're saying. Well, oh, after after this year, okay, I got you. After this yeah, year, with yeah, with them. So would that be a matchup nightmare? Two six with five guys. Sure. Right, you can make put your best corner on one guy, but then you're. I mean, more likely most. It's tough to double. You can't guys. double them both. If you do, then you're gonna gash for the run game. Yeah, and then if you, yeah, he's like, yeah, if you double them both, you also open up the slot for someone to tear you slide apart. Tight ends in the middle of the field. So I, I I totally see what you're saying, and I I'm gonna go with Tommy Bush here as well. It it really is hard to find that size. Uh, and, and if you can get him and get him right now, lock him in. Antoine Green, I, I really like what I've seen out of Antoine. If we had more room, I'd take this guy. I mean, I think he, he's definitely faster than Bush is. He's, I think he's, he's, uh, I, I don't know. I would say a slippery route runner is kind of how I would term it. He, he's got a really good, he's got really good straight line cutting ability. He'll be going straight and all of a sudden just cut at a moment's notice because cut on a dime like that. I really like his ability. Uh, and it's just shiftiness in general. I think he's superior to Bush in that regard, but you just can't coach that size. And Bush is not only does he have the size, it's one thing to have the size, but you also have to be able to go and attack the ball in the air, high point the ball. He's shown the ability to do that on tape. So if I had to pick between those two, I think I would also, along with you, go with Tommy Bush. Uh, and the next one here, Tyson Campbell, a guy that was on my uh, top five wish list 
before the new year. Uh, he's number 12 Nash in the 247 composite rating as a DB. Uh, he could be he could be a safety. He's a combo guy. He could be safety. He could be uh, a corner as well. I think we're probably hopeful hopefully have him at corner. And then Mario Goodrich coming in at 114th nationally in the 247 composite. Curtis, is this one even a contest? I'm going to say, it's not even a contest. I mean, Campbell's a, he's a program changer. He's the definition of as close to a lockdown D, uh, DB as you can get. He's the guy, if we had him last year in the, I can't even, if we had him in the national championship game, we win that game. I'm just yeah, going to say that. He's the type of guy that changes your whole secondary. Yeah, he's, he is he is a, a game changer. There's no doubt about it. Uh, so, I mean, I, and I like Mario Goodrich. Don't get me wrong. I really like Mario Goodrich. Uh, and if, if we missed on Campbell, I'd be good with taking Goodrich for sure. I, I would still feel the sting of losing Campbell. But if, if, if I have to make a choice between those two, it's a no-brainer. All day long, Tyson Campbell. All right, so that was kind of the primer here, just looking at like position by position. Most of those, they all play the same position more or less. Now let's move into different positions against each other here. So we're going to start with Rick Sandage at defensive tackle versus Quay Walker. If you had, to, if it's down to one spot, and you got Sandage and Walker, they both want to commit. Curtis, who are you taking? I'm taking Sandridge because I think uh, you could. Look, if we got, or wait, is this Sanders versus Quay? Yeah, Sanders versus Quay. Uh, I might go with Sanders just because I think Quay's really good, but I don't know if Quay would be better than what we could possibly get with next year with Owen Popo, where we need the immediate help at uh, D tackle. To where right. I don't know. If Quay Walker would be an immediate guy this year. Well, you also already have Ch- uh, Channing Tindall and uh, Monty Rice and people like that. I know this is going to sound blasphemous to a lot of people because Owen Popo has been built up for years now. I mean, he's been on the recruiting scene since like his maybe eighth grade year, at least his freshman year for a long time. I think Quay Walker is superior to Owen Popo. I really do. He might be. He honestly might be. I just, I just, the thing is, we don't have anyone, there's not that many D tackles out there right now that. Exactly. It's a, it's a premium position. It's a bottom that, line. It's hard to find yeah. good defensive tackles and it is to find good inside linebackers. And that, that's my whole argument, yeah, because I think we have a better chance with Sanders than you know guys at the D tackle position for next year where we can still get you know really, really good. I mean, I do think Quay's better than Owen, but I still think Owen's really good, so I think it wouldn't be that much of a drop-off compared to what you yeah. might have to be stuck with defensive tackle-wise. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with that. Here's my thing, though. I, I, I'm kind of torn with this one because I, I – thousand percent agree that defensive tackle is significantly more important than inside linebacker okay because you just can't at least if you if you got to make a choice you have a, a really good defensive tackle a really good inside linebacker you should take the defensive tackle because they're just harder to find especially with the dearth of those guys in state in the past couple of years but i will say i think a walker is a notch above Rick Sandage, I really do. As a, if, if regardless of position, if you look okay, just how good are you at what you do at your position? I think Quay Walker is a better inside linebacker potentially than Rick Sandage would be a defensive lineman. I think Sandage is going to be a good, a really good player. I don't know if he screams dominant player to me. Um, I think that's very fair. Yeah, I think he screams really good player and definitely guy you want on your team. And we need those pieces. You need like. You have to have defensive linemen to win this league. We all know that. We saw the difference between us and Alabama. We have a really good defensive line. They had a dominant defensive line, and they 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 just whipped our offensive line. We we had our moments against the Alabama offensive line. Just we didn't dominate them like they dominate our offensive line. So it's critical to have those guys. I just don't know if Sanchez is a dom a, a, a truly dominant defensive tackle prospect. I think he's going to be a really good player when you need those guys. Maybe a Tyler Clark type player, which he's been great for us. But is Tyler Clark dominant? 
Ah, I don't know if I'd go there yet. Maybe he will be. I don't think he has been. I think he's been really good, but I don't know if he's been dominant. Whereas I think Quay Walker can be a dominant inside linebacker. So that's my only hold up here. But you're right. The fact that we've already got Channing Tindall uh, signed and ready to go. Uh, we've got Imani Rice. you got Nate McBride. you got some guys there. I think that neutralizes the, the potential loss of Quay if you had to choose between him and Rick Sandage. So for that reason and just the premium position that defensive tackle is, I guess I would go Sandage, but I would not be happy about it. I'd be – I would definitely be – I mean, I, oh, I I'd be tortured over that. But just positional need. Yeah, it, it is. It comes down to positional need. All right, so Sandage over Quay Walker. Uh, man, that's a tough one for me. I'm cringing at that, but I'll go with it. I just think Quay's a beast. Uh, all right, so let's now let's take Sandage. You got one spot left. Sandage versus Tommy Bush. Uh, that's no question. Sandage, just yeah. because the fact of, like I said, need, and at the same time, we've already got two what two five stars committed wide receiver for the next, next year. class, and one of them six five. We already got Matt Landers from last year, so Bush would be a more Bush would definitely be more of a luxury in that situation. Yeah, that, that's how I look at it. Yeah. All right, now next one here. Sandage moves on. Rick Sandage. Versus Tyson Campbell for that last spot. Who are you taking? Oh, there's no question, Tyson Campbell. I mean, he like we said, he's a he's a complete. You know, like we said that uh, Sanders would be good, but he wouldn't be a dominant. Where Tyson Campbell can't be dominant. dominant. Yeah, no. I mean, you watch this guy's tape. Here's another guy that I wasn't really paying much attention to during the. I, I guess I got to start paying attention to more guys, but I wasn't paying as much attention to this guy during the summer and spring months because we he we weren't really on his radar. And he was. I mean, at least publicly, yeah, he was all Miami. Then. Yeah, he was all Miami then. So I wasn't paying as much attention to him. I was paying attention to more guys like Chris Smith, those type guys. Um, Tyler McMichael. Yeah, Michael. Absolutely. I was. My eyes were very much on him at the 707 camp up here. Um, but look at him now and watching his tape. I haven't seen him live. His tape is scary. Like, he's scary talented, man. I mean, he's long. He's got incredible closing speed. He will hit you. He's not afraid to tackle. He's got really good ball skills. His recovery speed is great. His good hips. I, I mean, I'm not sure what he doesn't have at the DB position. And he and he has position versatility, which which Kirby loves. He has the ability to play safety if we need him to. He has the ability to play corner. Uh, I mean, I, he, he could fit our team kind of like a Minka Fitzpatrick. I, he could play star. Yeah, I mean, you could you could literally move him around all over the place like Minka Fitzpatrick for sure. Like Ronnie, like Ronnie Harrison's moved around a couple times for Bam. He started at corner. Nickel is now playing safety for them. He's got that type of versatility. I'm with you, and we saw. Look, I honestly, I think that especially defensively, the two most important positions on the field are defensive tackle and having uh, good corners because they're just those are the two hardest to find to find a truly dominant defensive tackle and to find truly dominant corners. Those are the hardest, at least defensively. Those are the toughest to find. There's just not as many of those guys, and we saw firsthand in that national championship game the difference between being in the national championship game and the difference in winning national championship game, and it was secondary play, was it not? Yeah, and, and our, our defensive line played good in that game, but we did not have the dominant defensive front there. So I think those are the two most important positions defensively. And, and, and honestly, for me, that's where we've got to get better. If we want to take the next step, not just not just push Bama into overtime to actually overtake them, we've got to get better in the secondary. Clearly, we saw what happened there, and we've got to get to take just another slight step on that defensive front. So it's tough here, but I'm with you. I'm going Tyson Campbell for the exact reason you said. He has the potential to truly, in my opinion, be a dominant type player, a game changing, maybe even program changing uh, type player. Whereas Sanders, I think, will be really good. I just don't know if he screams dominant player to me. So I'm going to go Tyson Campbell there. All right. Uh, now let's move. I'll go back to Quay Walker. So he lost the matchup against Sanders, all right? 
But if you got Quay Walker in one spot left, Quay Walker versus Tommy Bush, who are you taking? Oh, it's no question Quay Walker. Like we said, yeah. um, you know, the Beast. wide receiver are pretty stacked, already committed. And like I said, we want Olapapo next year, but there's no commitment there, so you'd have to go with him. I truly believe it. I'm with you. I'm not even really going to definitely this one. I think it's a no-brainer if you watch these guys play. Both good players. Quay Walker's just a better prospect. I, if we got Quay Walker, man, I think he would have a legitimate chance to, to earn a starting spot this year. I think him and Channing Tindall would have a legitimate chance. Now, I know you got Monty Rice and Nate McBride still here, and they got a leg up. There's no doubt. But I'm sorry. I think Channing Tindall and I think Quay Walker are both more talented and more ready to help year one than Monty Rice and Nate McBride were last year. And I know they'll have a year on them, but I would not be shocked because that's assuming Natrez comes back. Now, if Natrez doesn't come back, I would, and I think he will. He's 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 already back with the team and all that good stuff. Uh, but if Natrez, for whatever reason, gets in trouble and he's not back, I would say probably Monty Rice would take one of those spots, and I would be I I would definitely put the odds on either Quay or uh, Channing Tindall to start in that other spot. I really would. Those guys are that good, so I'm I'm definitely going Quay Walker here. All right, now let's move. Quay Walker versus Tyson Campbell. Look, it, it, as good as Quay Walker is, we've 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 um, you know expressed how important it is to get someone like Campbell. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I think Campbell's of all the prospects, I'd probably put him at number one on our board, right? Yeah. For me, I would have Quay Walker. A, a, I don't know, man. I mean, just pure talent wise, I'd have Quay Walker like number two, but positional needs taken account. Or when you account for that, I maybe I guess I'd have Sandage at two, and then Quay Walker right there, man. But Quay Walker, oh man, super talented guy. All right, let's move to a couple other guys here real quick. We got Tommy Bush versus Jordan Davis to fill that last spot. Who are you taking? Jordan Davis. Yep. To me, it comes back to need. I know Bush is ranked higher, but Davis fills a need, right? Yeah. More so than Bush. And I know we got to replace Javon Wims. I get that, but. I think we've got some other guys that can fill that if we did not end up getting time. Which I love Bush. I think Bush is more of a luxury right now. Uh, all right, so let's go Jordan Davis versus Mario Goodrich. Bring him back in the equation. I don't think I know the answer here. Davis. Yeah, clearly. Goodrich, good player. Davis, just need it. it's hard to find guys like that. All right, Jordan Davis versus Otis, my man, Reese. Um, probably Davis still. <clears throat> okay, I think I think here it's kind of like with Quay versus Sanchez. Same story. I think Otis is a better pro. I think he's better at his job, although he's a tweener, than what Davis is. But Davis fills that need. It's hard to find guys like that. We can find Otis Reese's in, in coming classes if we really need to. And if we got Quay Walker, then it kind of makes Otis Reese. I don't want to say not matter, but it makes him expendable, right? Exactly. Yeah, so I think I would probably go Jordan Davis there as well. All right, couple more here. Now we're going to go. Uh, a little bit, I guess we kind of already talked about some of these, but let's see if there's one I haven't hit on here. Okay, let's say, all right, if this is the lineup that you have, let's say we've got these four guys, and we've got one spot left, all right? You've got Davis, Campbell, Sandage, Bush. I think I, you guys, if you listen to the show here, you know where I stand. Do you take Walker or do you take Reese in that one last spot? They both want to commit. Walker. Yeah, I think they're both good, and a lot of people I know, I know are big, really high on Otis Reese, and he's a really good player. I'm high on him too. I just think right now Walker is more equipped to come in and, and, and be an impact player day one at inside linebacker than Otis Reese is. I've just seen him do it. I haven't seen Otis. I think Otis could do it. He's got to put on, and plus Quay doesn't have to put on weight. Quay is ready to go at his size right now. Otis Reese has got to put on a little bit of weight, which I think he will. 
But if you factor in, he's got to put on a little bit of weight. He's got to learn that position. I think I would definitely go Walker there. Uh, all right, so I guess I guess, I guess that pretty much covers all these guys. So let's get into Kurt. What I want to get now into what your ideal finish would be. So if you could pick five guys, and you're Kirby Smart, and you can just handpick them, and they all as soon as they, you point at them, they're like, "Oh yes, I'm going to Georgia." Who would those five guys be? Um, Campbell, Walker, Sandage, um, probably Bush. And Davis. Campbell, Walker, Sandage. I would actually maybe take Reese and then Davis. So Campbell, Walker, Sandage, Reese, Davis. No Bush. Yeah, I think that the thing is with Walker, he maybe that first year he could be like a Al Gogletree and play the star, try to play him at a star, see how he does there. Yeah, I mean, in certain situations, especially in heavy rundowns, for sure. Yeah, I mean, he's just... How about Reese or Walker? Uh, Walker. Walker, okay. Walker, okay. Yeah, I, I think in heavy rundowns, you could definitely do that. I think he's got the versatility to do it. There's no doubt. I think Reese could do that, too. Um, either one of those guys could definitely do that. Dude, you have the exact same five that I have. I was hoping you might have something different, man. No, we're, we're of the same mind here. I've got Campbell, Walker, Sandage, Davis, and Reese. And, the re- and guys, I like Tommy Bush. I know a lot of people are really high on Bush and because you're, you're kind of mesmerized by that six-foot-five frame. And I am, too. That's awesome. I'd love to have him. But as I said a second ago, I honestly just think right now, Tommy Bush is more of a luxury, whereas the other guys are 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 especially the defensive tackles and a guy like like Tyson Campbell at, at DB. Those are are premier positions. Those are priority positions right now for us. That, those are the spots where we've got to get better. And then I take after that I take best available. And I think I would take Walker over Bush. I think he's a better prospect. I think even Reese is a better prospect. Uh, so I just think those guys are. Slightly ahead there, and I think we need them a little bit more than we need a big body wide receiver right now, considering the fact we got Matt Landers on roster and we got hopefully Jaden Hazelwood coming in next year. So that's who I got here. Now, next task here, real quickly, Curtis, is let's try to. I mean, this is totally just predictions, and this is not where I thrive. I'll, I'll own that, guys. My uh, what I enjoy doing and what I feel confident in, and my abilities here is to evaluate these guys. I do not call these prospects, so I do not have. Uh, direct knowledge of where these guys are leaning. I'll, I'm like you guys. I keep up with the recruiting reporters on 247, Rivals, Scout, all whatever, uh, who, who do this for a living and follow these guys, and I kind of piece everything together. Now, occasionally Curtis and I have access to uh, some folks inside the program who can give us a, a few morsels here and there about what's happening. Uh, but honestly, uh, that, that information has been kind of dry since the early signing period, haven't heard as much conversation about this class. There's a few things I was hearing that totally did play out exactly as I had heard uh, co- coming into the early signing period. But I'll be honest, Kurt, I don't know about you. I'm speaking for myself here. I don't have a ton of inside information, but just going off kind of what I've been able to piece together, we're going to try to put our kind of, uh, I, I guess, our percentages here on, on whether we think we'll actually end up landing these guys. That makes sense? Yeah. All right. So we'll start with Tyson Campbell. All right, he's in, he was in Athens not too long ago on his official visit. Uh, from everything I hear, is we we sit in a very good position. So how do you handicap his commitment right now, his decision? Um, I would honestly put about 65%, maybe 70 So you're going 65 on Campbell. I'm, uh, 
the thing about Campbell, why I did that is because I think, uh, you know, he's visited some major programs. Uh, sure. he's already visited, he visited Bama on their big national championship weekend. He visited Tennessee, who, you know, is the hot thing kind of right now, and yet he really hasn't shown the visit high. And he seems like down to earth. And he, you know, he's lived in Miami. He's visited Miami a lot, but he still has favored us. Yeah, I don't think he's going to Miami. I think he was going to Miami. He already pulled that trigger. And that's what I feel like, too. Even with that last visit, he hadn't given them that much attention. Like, you um, well, I think they're a team to beat. I mean, he, just, he's, 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 he is going to visit them officially this coming this weekend on February 2nd. He's visiting them. I just don't know what they can show him that he hasn't seen already is yeah. what I have to say. Yeah, and he visited Tennessee last weekend. He visited Alabama the weekend before. Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, and those, I, well, it's all relevant. Like, official visits rarely go poorly, but some go better than others, I think. Well, is, it didn't blow it out of the park like yeah. it needed. And he visited us officially January 12th. And uh, I'm going to trust Kirby here and trust all the information I'm hearing from pretty reputable sources out there. Uh, again, take this with a grain of salt. I'm going to I'm honestly, from what I'm hearing right now, I know he's made a couple of visits to other schools after he visited us, but we're saving that in-home visit. Uh, so I'm going to go, I'm going to go 80% on Campbell. I feel really good about him. But yeah, I mean, that's why I almost wanted to go 70. Yeah, I feel, I feel good. I mean, we're right around the same spot there. I think we're both above 50%. All right, Quay Walker. Now, he's an Alabama commit, but he has been looking around. Uh, he visited Tennessee, and Jeremy Pruitt has definitely made a move. Jeremy Pruitt, let's just be real, he's going all out. They need guys like Quay Walker. They've got to have guys, because right now they just don't have the talent up and down that roster. But we are clearly in this picture. He visited Auburn recently. I know his, uh, his former teammate... Markavius, Big Cat, Bryant, whatever, whatever, dude, whatever, man. Went to Auburn, so of course he was, I'm sure, showing him around. That was last weekend. Visited Alabama officially on the 19th, and he will be visiting us here uh, this weekend. So, Curtis, who are you going with on this pick? Are you going with the dogs or are you going elsewhere? I'm going to go 50-50. I think it's a coin toss right now, but I will say what I think helps us majorly, which might give me a 51-49, to is the fact that we had the final visit. And he seems like he's really, he's one of these that's really, really um, influenced by the visit highs. I think that's fair to say from what we've been able to gather with him. Uh, I w- I'm with you. What, did you. what percentage did you say for him? I'll say 51 because of the final visit. So you're saying 51%. You're just barely putting us over the top there. Yeah. I... Yeah, I don't really disagree with you at all there. I think that's a really fair – I'm going to go I'll, – I'll, I'll up you just a little bit there. I'm going to go 55%. I think maybe the home state pool in the end, I don't know how much of a factor that is. But I, from what I can understand, he does seem to feel a little bit of a home state pool. I think – honestly, I, I would say right now it's Tennessee's probably our biggest competition. Am I, yeah, I think that's fair to say. Because, I mean, yeah. uh, Bama, he's already been very unstable for them. If he had signed early, it would have been with us. So I think that's what helps us. Right. That Tennessee made an impact. But I think with the final visit, we're going to show him this is home. Yeah, and I mean, his recru- our recruitment of him has been up and down. You know, we were really yeah, having I mean, him. This is a guy we practiced when he came we, we, And that, I think, really went back to some off-the-field things. I don't want to get into too much detail there, but – there's some Especially, off the field and then what concerns. Happened with Big Cat too. Yeah, and what happened with Big Cat? Yeah, with the coach there. I mean, it was just, there are just some concerns there. But as the season wore on, we just we got back into it with him. And and this guy, he's legit, man. Like as an athlete, dude, this guy can play. There's no doubt about it. All right, so next up here, we've got Rick Sandage. It really looks like it's down between us and 
South Carolina. To me, I'm not even sure like why there's a, a thought process here. It's clear as day where you go. But, you know, yeah, yeah. His mom is a very influential part of his recruitment. And from everything we hear, Trey Scott's done a really good job of building a relationship with, with Rick and his mother. And she is apparently very influential in his, in his recruitment process. So it looks like South Carolina or Georgia for Rick Sandage, Curtis. So how do you see that one playing out? Uh, I'd give us 45 to 55 odds in favor of his mom. Um, You know, I wouldn't be shocked if he picked them, but I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if he picked us. But um, I think he, that you, because of the mob, you have to favor them because, I mean, he, he, even though I think he is, like you said, he, he's openly said he has better connection with, um, with, with uh, Scott, Scott and everything. Yeah. You, just, you just don't. You never really know with these guys at all. No, period. so that, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I wouldn't be shocked for him to go either way. Simple as that. Yeah, I, yeah, it's tough here. I, I, I think you have to give South Carolina the odds on. I think you have to make them the odds on favorite. He officially visited them last weekend. Officially visited us on the twelfth, a couple of weeks ago. So not too far ago, too long ago. I think they are the favorite, but I, we have certainly closed the gap. All right, I would. I, again, yeah, I, I, mean, I, I, I don't. I think it's a lot closer than people realize. I, I really do, and it might even be fifty. It might even be a toss up. It might be a situation where he doesn't know right now. I don't know if that's true, but I just from everything I can gather, he seems. We seem to have certainly closed the gap with him and his mother. I, this is a toss-up to me. I, I think South Carolina has been on him longer, so by virtue of that and the fact that they just got to have a guy like this. you know, we can, we can do without him if we miss on him. South Carolina, they can't miss on guys like this when, if they're getting this close to a guy of Sanchez caliber. So I don't know. I, I guess I would go maybe 49% for us. I will give South Carolina the slight edge and then maybe a 51% edge there. But this one totally could go either way. I know that it's going to be kind of taking the easy way out, but I really think it's that close when it comes to Sandage. All right, uh, two more here, real quick. We got Jordan Davis, who's already on our commit list. I mean, is this a, is this a question? No, I think of all the D tackles that he's. I mean, I, right? In, in my opinion, I think we're trying to fill four spots. I think his spot is safe. I think it's more of a question. Of, like the only question with Davis, whether he signs or not, is it's more along the lines of do we take him? Do we decide we want him? Yeah, because I, well, I think because Tremel Walther. Let's not forget Tremel Walther is currently on our commit list still, as far I as think we know. The thing was. With him, you're hearing that it is academic. Academic, but still, but he, he's, he, yeah, we just haven't heard anything SAT, definitive. His SAT wasn't there, and then he took it, the last SAT so late that he won't get his scores in by National Signing Day, right. which makes it a huge liability to try to give him a spot. Yeah, we just haven't we heard anything definitive. With Wyatt last yeah. year. Yeah, so I'm going. I'm going to like. I'm never going to say. I don't ever say 100 percent recruiting as things happen. I'll say 90. percent I'm going to say like 95. percent because yeah. I'll give that 5% chance that something could happen. Maybe one of these other guys wants to come in. And who, crazy things happen on signing day. We'll see. But I, I think I feel pretty confident there. And last one is Otis, my man Reese. Currently committed to Michigan, but has been looking around for a while here. So what would you put the percentage chance of us landing him? Uh, I think it's 50-50. I think it really comes down to do we take him or not, in all honesty. I, I do too, because you still got guys like Tommy Bush out there that because th- th- this is how we're looking at it. We don't know how the coaches are looking at it. Quay Walker, yeah, a lot of it comes. I mean, yeah, do we land Quay Walker? Do we miss on Sandage? I mean, we don't know what spot's going to be open. This is just our ideal five if we could pick and choose who we got. Fifty uh, fifty, I think that's fair. I might give us a slight edge here and give us fifty five. I, mean, I, I mean, I think we have the edge if we. If, I think it's if we say we'll take your commit, he commits to us. I think that is how. It's, how I do think it's that way. But I do also think that it's, like it's I contingent said, upon other about, about how the dominoes fall. Yeah, that I, it, it all comes down to numbers and dominoes. But I think if he was to, if we were to say we'll, we'll accept your commitment, I do think he would commit to us over Michigan. Yeah, 
All right, let's say if we let's say our coaches are really high on Tommy Bush and we want to take him regardless, where do you think he ends up? Do we have a shot at him? Bush, I think if we if we say we'll take you, I think he comes to us. I think Texas has come on. Texas has come on, but from what I understand, it's really I mean lately it's been us and Baylor. Texas is coming on late in the game. We've been the consistent one. Yeah, at least over the past couple months. And dude, why would you go to Baylor over Georgia? I mean, come on. I, I, Especially I don't know. yeah, the way that program is right now, and I mean. We have an established quarterback. Yeah, obviously, I'm biased, but I mean, dude, what do you think? I mean, it's just, it's just fact of established quarterback and where the pro. I mean, you can say what you want about. I guess it's in state for him. Yeah, you can say all about what's happened there, but just the program and talent wise, if you're just looking strictly at that, um, sure. then you it's no question that Georgia, even talent wise and stuff. Yeah. All right, guys, that does it for us here on the show today. I would say, oh, by the way, I would put Bush at probably about sixty-five uh, percent if we want him. If we want him. Uh, but that does it for us here on the show today. We'll see how this all plays out next week. We'll definitely be back next week with our Football Friday recapping what went down on National Signing, signing Day, at least the February, the old school National Signing Day. So make sure to check back with us next week. We'll definitely continue on with our basketball talk as the season just keeps rolling on, I guess. That's what we'll call it doing. I don't know at this point what it's doing. It's just not doing much. But uh, definitely appreciate you guys taking time out of your day to listen to us. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. As always, go Dawgs.